0: Hello and thanks for joining us, whether you're a member of our church or a member of our broader community or a member of a church elsewhere and you're just engaging with our service today, thank you for joining us. Uh, We're going to spend the next 15 minutes or so engaging with God's word, trying to, as it were, sit under God's word and learn from it. And over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the Book of Ezra in the Old Testament. So, if you've got a Bible at home, why not hit pause on the video and grab it and open it up to Chapter Three. The reason that we've been looking at the Book of Ezra is that, despite the fact that this book describes a time in the world which was two and a half you know thousand years ago, um, it describes God's people going through a situation, which, if not similar to ours, a situation in which we find lots of points of contact. Just to put it in context, uh, the book of Ezra and Nehemiah and the book of Esther were all written around the return of God's people out of exile. They returned to Jerusalem, rebuilt their life their worship life together, their community life, and they rebuilt their temple, for it had been destroyed uh, by the Babylonians. Um, So the Babylonians, about 70 years earlier, had sacked Jerusalem, burnt the temple, and taken uh, the people of God into Babylon. Uh, In that time, the Babylonians had themselves been overthrown by the Persians. And the book of Ezra starts when the king of Persia, King Cyrus, um, his spirit, it says, is stirred by God to actually allow God's people to return to their city of Jerusalem, to rebuild their life there. And God not only stirs the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia, but we read about God stirring the spirits of his people and of the people around them, their neighbours and so on, because they return to Jerusalem actually being given a lot of grants and um, everything they need to restore their community there and to start rebuilding the temple. So we read about God stirring the spirit in chapter 1 and in chapter 2 we read about the great number and great diversity of people that return to Jerusalem. About 50,000 men are listed, um, so we could probably double that number if we added the women uh, even more for the children. And uh, thousands also of various animals and livestock returned with them as well. And then in Chapter 3, we read about them, how they started to resettle and to rebuild their community life together. So as we prepare with great hope to return to our in-person Sunday services together and to be able to restore some of the programs that we run through our churches, let's have a look at um, what they prioritised as they restarted their community life together and their worship life together as God's people way back in those days under the leadership of Ezra and Nehemiah. Um, And uh, uh, let's read about what they did so that we might glean what ought our priorities to be as well. There are two remarkable things that we read about in Ezra chapter 3. And they relate to the very first festival that they chose to celebrate in the church calendar and what they built first as they were rebuilding their temple and their worship life together. So it says in chapter 3, when the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, the people assembled together as one in Jerusalem. And they, they come together to celebrate what was called the Festival of Tabernacles. There were lots of festivals and celebrations and commemorations of what it meant to be God's people that were in their church calendar, and we read about lots of these festivals in the book of Leviticus. And here we read about the Festival of Tabernacles, which is something of a pinnacle festival for them to be celebrating together. Um, Tabernacles kind of means... or booths and the festival of tabernacles was a memorial and joyful festival when god's people would look back at how God preserved and delivered them when they had been wandering in the wilderness. Um, so that's why it's called the Feast of Tabernacles or tents or booths, because literally the God's people would gather branches and you know sticks, and they would create makeshift um, cabins, booths, tents, if you like, and they'd actually celebrate in them. They I think they lived in them for seven days as a kind of very kinesthetic, um, tangible way of remembering the time when they were in the wilderness before God led them into um, the promised land. Um, They weren't remembering the hardships that they endured. They were remembering God's preservation and sustaining of them. Now, no doubt, under the leadership of Ezra, when they celebrated this Feast of Tabernacles, they weren't only looking back to the time in the wilderness before God's people entered the the promised land of Cana, they were looking back to the 70 years of exile that they had just been in and they were celebrating with thanksgiving to God for preserving them during that time. So that's the first remarkable thing in Ezra chapter 3, that they choose to celebrate the festival feast of tabernacles and it is described in scripture as a joyful feast of thanksgiving a joyful celebratory feast celebrating how god had preserved them given them if you like a second chance and that was truly what the people under israel uh, under ezra were feeling as they were returning uh, from their exile um, from from the babylonians and then the persians so it was a great joyful second chance um, celebrating the preservation of god The second remarkable thing that we read about in Ezra chapter 3 is the building. So they start to rebuild the temple. Now, I wonder what you would think they might begin by building when when you're building a temple. And they will have been trying to replicate the original temple that had been built under King Solomon, which was an incredibly large and lavish temple. It's remarkable that the first thing that they rebuild is the altar. So we read in chapter three, uh, verse three of chapter three, despite their fear of the people around them, which clues us up that although they'd been given permission to return to Jerusalem, they were still worried about opposition. They were worried about being attacked uh, by the people around them. But nevertheless, they built the altar on its foundation. They built the altar They built the altar on its foundation and they sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord morning and evening. So this is the first part of the temple building that they construct, the altar. And they would have been trying to replicate as much as they were able to the altar um, that was built for sacrifices in Solomon's temple, which was, as I read, Uh, the history books, it was 30 square feet and it was uh, 15 feet high. So a very large altar on which and in which um, the priests would offer sacrificed animals and burn them up as a um, sacrifice uh, to atone for sin. Uh, To us, this can seem quite creepy. And I want to say it just at the start that the sacrifice of an animal, the burning up of an animal... I don't think would have felt any less tragic then in those Old Testament days than it does to us today. Uh, I also think that it was probably understood to be not a, a real atonement for sin, but a symbolic, um, a symbolic way. But it was the way that God had given them, and the symbolism. Relates to the blood of an animal, for it says in Leviticus 17, For the life of a creature is in its blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. So God's people understood their guilt, their sin, to be so serious um, that there was no way, no easy way back to God. They weren't good enough to be reconciled to God. Um, without uh, without the sacrifice, a blood sacrifice, and God had given them this means of sacrificing an animal. So those offerings were made um, in order to be reconciled to God, uh, to deal with their guilt, to deal with their sin, to make atonement for sin. Uh, Offerings were also made as thanksgiving. So at harvest time, Um, The farmers would take some of the first fruits and the first parts of the harvest and precious as they were, they would offer them to God. Um, So much did they value their relationship with God and wanting to be in fellowship with God, wanting to be in harmony with God at peace with God. So they'd offer offerings for sin, but also thanksgiving offerings, um, offerings of fellowship, offerings of obedience. So it is remarkable, I think, that the very first thing they rebuild is the altar, um, not the whole foundations of the temple. This is this is effectively like if you're building a house, they've kitted out the kitchen area before they've laid the foundation for the whole house and put up all the external you know, framework for the walls. It, it's unusual what they've done. And so it begs the question, like, why was it so important to them? And it was so important to them that because the first thing they wanted to do as they came back together was to be right with God, to be in fellowship with their God, um, to give thanks to their God. That's why the altar came first. Well, as a priest today in the year 2020, I'm so glad that we no longer have those practices um, and that it's not part of my job description uh, to burn animals on an altar. Nevertheless, there is a place for us to come to restore our relationship to God. There is a place for us to come to deal with our ever-present sin, our ongoing sin, there is a place to come to confess guilt. There is a place to come to receive forgiveness and to celebrate reconciliation with God, and that place for us is the cross, and it is through Jesus Christ. So those sacrifices in Ezra's day and in the old, old under the old covenant, they all pointed forward to the cross of Jesus Christ and to the sacrifice made by him upon that cross. We read in Isaiah chapter 53, um, poetic words of prophecy about what the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, as he was crucified, what it meant. It says here, he took up our pain. He bore our suffering. We considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was on him by his wounds we are healed and we all like sheep have gone astray each of us turned to our own way and the lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all god was planning a better way a once for all kind of way Um, He came down from heaven, he dwelt among us, he tabernacled among us and he became the sacrifice that led us back to his love, to peace with him. Um, There's wonderful words also in the book of Hebrews about the cross of Jesus Christ, the crucifixion and all that we gain through it. It says here in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, we have confidence to come into the very throne room of God by the blood of Jesus, a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let's draw near to God with a sincere heart, and the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we professed, profess for he who promised is faithful. And let's consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as we see the day Approaching. Well, there are so many points of connection between what we're going through um, as we've been in exile during the COVID 19 shutdown um, and as we prepare to come back to meeting face to face in our churches. So many points of connection. Um, A great desire to give thanks to God for His preservation. Uh, You know, COVID 19 has not won. Uh, The closure of our church buildings has not spelt the end for the church. Um, God has preserved his people. We have a second chance. Let's give thanks to God as a priority as we come back together. And let's also prioritise the cross. I have a beautiful cross behind me. I'll just see if I can show you it. Let's prioritise the cross and the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we enjoy this wonderful peace with God, the peace that passes all understanding, by whom we are forgiven, by whom we can draw near to God. So as we come back together, just as the Israelites, you know, would have experienced um, a different kind of worship, you know, they would have had to adapt in different ways. There would have been a new normal for them. Um, But nevertheless, we can still thank God, we can still focus on the cross. You know, When I think when we come back together it may be that our services feel, you know, they're just not the same. Uh, we can't shake hands, well we, we're going to have to do communion differently, we'll probably do morning tea differently, um, we probably won't have a greeting of the peace or we'll adapt that. You know, there's this new normal but as a colleague in London said recently, um, it will be a new normal that is built on old truths. It's a new normal that is built on the truth of the cross of Jesus Christ and the way we come through him to peace with God. Finally, as we read chapter 3, there's a sober moment at the end of the chapter Um, after rebuilding, after they're enjoying the festival of the tabernacles and rebuilding the altar and making all of these sacrifices and restoring that relationship, they do lay the foundation of the temple. And the day that they do it, we read in um, verse 10 of chapter 3, the priests get all robed up and bring out the trumpets and there's a great thanksgiving and celebration and praise and they sing to God, "'He is good and his love endures forever.'" They give a great shout of praise to the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord is laid. But, it says in verse 12, many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who'd seen the former temple, they wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, even while many others shouted for joy. And no one could distinguish the sounds of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping, because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away it's sobering the people who could remember the old temple and remember they'd been in exile for about 70 years so the very elderly though who could still remember the days before exile they were they wept aloud and i wonder if when we come back together um, the honest response as we come back together is to be Yes, both joyful, but also it's a mixed economy of emotion here. Like there's also a, a sense of collective grief at all that we've lost this year, at all the fellowship that we've lost, at all that we've lost in terms of being able to move our visions uh, for our churches forward, at all, all that the world has lost, of all the lives that have been lost, um, of the suffering and the ongoing economic suffering, and... Um, Church is not going to be like church used to be, but it's going to be a new normal built on old truths. The old truth of giving thanks to God, of an an enjoying fellowship with Him. For them, it was through the sacrificial system on the altar. For us, it is through Jesus Christ and the cross He was willing to die on, but not only to die on. He was raised from death and we enjoy this wonderful relationship with God. He is our glory and we want to give praise and honour to him. I want to close just by reading to you from a hymn, a great old hymn called Beneath the Cross of Jesus Christ. And I'm just going to bring up that cross for us to focus on as I read these words to you. Beneath the cross of Jesus... I fain would take my stand, the shadow of a mighty rock within a weary land, a home within a wilderness, a rest upon the way from the burning of the noontide heat and the burden of the day. Upon that cross of Jesus, my eye at times can see the very dying form of one who suffered there for me. And from my stricken heart with tears, two wonders I confess, the wonders of redeeming love and of my own worthlessness. I take, O cross, thy shadow for my abiding place. I ask no other sunshine than the sunshine of his face, content to let the world go by, to know no gain or loss. My sinful self, my only shame, my glory, all, the cross. Thank you for listening. I look forward to seeing some of you soon.